Well, good morning. I too am very happy to be able to be here and talk about Thomas because he is pretty awesome. Uh, So our second reading today comes from the Gospel of John, and I apologize for a little bit of the frog in my throat allergies have kind of wreaked havoc on my vocal cords, Uh, but starting in chapter 20, verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the, um, in his, my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, a week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Sorry, I'm having a hard time seeing my... It went away. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut... No? Yes? This is really funny. So a friend of mine um, from seminary posted her messing up during her sermon on Facebook, and she dedicated it to me because I had a big screw-up during my homiletics class, and I think she's just made it happen for me this week. I'm going to have to email her and tell her what she's done. (laughs) Um, Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out with your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did these signs and many others in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Gracious and loving God, give us ears to hear, minds to know, and hearts to understand your word for us this day. Now, the series of sermons that have been set aside for this Easter tide um, through to Pentecost, Danny has titled, What Just Happened? And we're going to spend these coming weeks processing what Christ's life, death, and resurrection meant for us and for our faith and for the world. 
Now, in the time and place of Scripture, ten days ago, Jesus was beaten, stabbed, and publicly executed. Seven days ago, he stood before his most intimate friends, not as a vision or a ghost, but as a solid, touchable human being. A miracle, yes. But more importantly, his resurrection stands as the message from God that love was and is and will always be more powerful than human darkness. And as we gather today, like the disciples, we are processing what just happened. For those who lived through and witnessed these events, they had to come to terms with having spent three years eating, traveling, arguing, sleeping, living with love itself. And then they had to watch that embodiment of love be tortured and die. And then Jesus was alive again and with them and their relief and joy was unimaginable and also short-lived because they now needed to discover how to live the rest of their lives knowing all of these things without Jesus right there at their side. This roller coaster of events is what we re-experience every year from Ash Wednesday through Easter. And so now we must come to terms with what the meaning of these events are for our lives. John has always defined himself as the one whom Jesus loved. And this use of the description is not to set himself apart. He didn't see himself as the one Jesus loved most. It was just a description of who he was. He was loved by Jesus in a way that was so powerful that it completely transformed how he saw himself. He was compelled to proclaim that love throughout his gospel and his letters in his life. It's John who writes, For God so loved the world. It's John who writes, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And in our passages today, John can barely contain himself. We declare to you what was from the beginning. What we have heard, what we have seen with our own eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands. We are writing these things so our joy is complete. John is not going to be satisfied that you have heard the story. He wants all who were unable to experience it, to understand the reality of what it feels like to be loved on that magnitude. He has stood in the presence of pure love and is desperate for you to know that you can be loved like that too. 
And this sense permeates the way he writes this story of Thomas. It only appears in John's Gospel. And while Thomas has had a history of being somewhat derided for his doubts, these verses don't reflect that derision. Jesus knew Thomas. He understood what Thomas would need, and he respects him. And like Becky, I would have needed that too. God gave us a brain to think with and does like it when we use it. But with gentleness, Jesus says to him, put your hands in mine. Put your fingers in these wounds. He invites Thomas to use all of his senses so that he can be certain that all that happened was very real. It is a moment that is tender and intimate and incredibly respectful of who Thomas was. But Jesus does know that the ability to be in this literal presence is not going to be what the rest of us will get to experience. His words here, captured by John, reflect a very honest truth, that the rest of us were going to have to believe without seeing, without touching, that our experiences of feeling the love of Christ would be, for many of us, an act of pure faith. And Jesus calls that blessing. And so that's why for John, these are feelings more than stories that are worth telling others about. Spreading the message of Christ's love for all of us captivates and obsesses him. And the entire story of Easter is empty without that love. He writes in his letter, We proclaim to you that God is light, and in God there is no darkness. The blood of Jesus cleanses all our sin. There is nothing in the shadows that has not been redeemed by God's love. Love wins. But now what? What are we, the ones who have come to believe without the benefit of seeing and touching and hearing, what are we to do with this triumphant message? Well, one of the things that we must do is we come into this room each week. We pray, we read, we listen, and we sing. And this is what believers have done since John wrote those letters to groups of believers, just like us. Worship is both an act of and a gift of love. We come here to spend time with the one who has made us whole and called us by name. It is in this place where we are reminded every week that we are beloved. And then we take that belovedness out into the world and share it with others. A few years ago, I worked at a church that was 
struggling with a decision around worship. They wanted to make their morning service contemporary. And in church parlance, that always means the music. And I was talking with one of my coworkers, um, her name is Betsy, um, about our feelings around contemporary worship music. And she called it Jesus boyfriend music. And she's not wrong. <laughs> and to help illustrate, I have some of the words from popular worship songs. And I've sung these many times before, but when you read them, you get what I mean. So, Our Love is Loud by David Crowder. Our love is big. Our love is loud. Fill this place with this love now. Our love is big. Our love is loud. Fill our lungs and sing it now. And repeat and repeat and repeat. (laughs) You are my all in all by Nicole Nordman. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give you up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. And seriously, I'm not mocking them. (laughs) I listen to these songs, very songs, when I write sermons and work up liturgy. Contemporary worship music is a lot like John's Gospels and his letters. They are full of love that Jesus has for us and the love that we have for Jesus. It's the love that we are called to show into the world. And these songs are emotional and they tap into a tingly feeling that you get when you know you are beloved. And there is a reason that an entire generation is drawn to worshiping with them. But one song that I think really encapsulates Jesus' boyfriend music isn't even a worship song. It's from Jesus Christ Superstar. Annika begged me to be able to sing this song, but she's on a plane to Spain, so you don't get that. Um, And it's a song sung by Mary Magdalene and Judas. It's the only one that they both sing at different times. And it says, I don't know how to love him. I don't know why he moves me. But I've been changed. Yes, really changed. Yet, if he said he loved me, I'd turn my head and I'd walk away. It scares me so. For those who fully experience that love, it is both alluring and frightening. It moves us to action and inspires us to belief. It transforms us and it breaks us open. It shines a bright light on the pains of our own hearts and the suffering of the world and challenges us to not look away. Jesus' love calls us to mercy and to justice. It dares us to be agents of love to everyone we meet. What just happened is that we are standing in the presence of pure love and now we must do something. 
We must testify to what we know is true. We must claim this love for us and allow ourselves to be changed. Really changed. We can't turn our heads and we can't walk away. Even if it scares us some. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. Many which were not written in this book. But these were written so that you may believe and through believing you will have life and love in his name. Please pray God of love, you enter in with us, you fill us with joy, you ease our suffering. Give us the courage to be able to open ourselves up to all that you are willing to give to us. And it does take courage because to really live into the fullness of our belovedness means giving up the things that we cling to, the things that can harm us, and yet we hold on to them tightly like we need the security. So give us the strength to let go, to open ourselves to the fullness of who you are, and allow ourselves to be changed. In your holy name, amen.